The passage this morning comes from the book of Matthew. This is chapters 27 and 28. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we are so in awe of what you have done for us. We don't deserve it, but because of your great love, you were willing to sacrifice everything, and we are so thankful. So would you come this morning? Would you meet us in this place? Would you speak through your word, and would your spirit flow through Andrew this morning? We love you, and we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 So this day is all about Jesus, and it's important to get a handle and start with who he is. Uh, Jesus is God, and he's a man, a human being. He's a human being as if he weren't God. He's God as if he weren't a human being. So God came to the earth in the form of a human being and uh, did everything just like, like us, Jesus did, uh, but he did it perfectly. He lived exactly how a human being is supposed to. He could because he was God. And he re- lived relatively quietly until uh, toward the, till, till like 30 years old, he came on the scene publicly. 
And when he came on the scene publicly, he announced, good news, good news, God is here. He's near us. He's available. God, the creator, he's available. Jesus was coming to make him available. He's right here. You can enter into that kind of life, the God life. He's available. He is here. It's good news. So change the way you think because God's here. He offers another kind of life. Follow that life. He is right here. And he kept announcing good news. He kept showing good news. He told stories that, that showed good news. He did things like miracles and healings and wonders and reproducing food. He did all these things and it was good news. And people were like, wow. It's good news. Now, the stories that come to us talk about the good news of Jesus Christ. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, there's this like getting to the central part of what, what the good news is for us today. And it says here the two main things, the two important things to remember. Jesus, the God-man, died on the cross, according to the scriptures. He died on the cross. And on Good Friday, we talked about two big pictures of what happened, what that meant. One was a substitute. Jesus was our substitute. He went to the cross and took what we deserve on himself. And then we get what he deserves instead. By coming to him. He, he is, it's an atonement sacrifice. He, we become at one with God because of what he did on the cross. Forgiving our sins, he, took, he was a substitute for us. That's one thing. And the other thing is, it was the victory of God over the enemies of the human race. What he did there was he overcame evil with good. He had a sacrifice, his selflessness, his act of love defeated all the evil and death and sin. He was a substitute taking what we deserved so that we can get what he deserves. It was a victory overcoming evil with good. That's what happened on the cross. That's the one aspect of, of what's most important. And then the other aspect, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, is that he was die, dead and buried. He was dead, dead. He didn't just like flatline for 30 seconds. Dead and buried, multiple days. But he was raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead and he showed himself, it says, to Peter and to the 12 and to 500 people at one time. He made multiple appearances. That's the good news. He's done all of that for us. That is reality. That has happened now. How do we respond to it? That's the question. How do we respond to what he's done? That's what's still an open question this morning. And what I want to do is I want to talk about one of his appearances. We don't have a lot of his appearances recorded or the details of his appearances recorded. But there's one at the very end of John chapter 21, and I'm going to read it in two sections uh, so that we hear it right from the Bible, and then I'm going to explain some aspects. I want us to think about it in a particular way or look at a particular aspect of the passage. So John chapter 1, verse 1 says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus or the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, 
the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called them out, friends. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So, the story, he's, he yells out, you know, from the shore, have you caught anything? Friends, have you caught anything? And they reply back, no. Now, I thought, aren't fishermen most to, supposed to at least say, well, I mean, we had a big, it was just about to, but then we lost, or something like that. I don't know, you make something up, but they just said no. Anyway. It's good to pay attention to the questions that Jesus asks. Because often when Jesus asks a question, what he's doing is setting a person up to get in touch with what's really true, to what's really going on. So, one time he's taken a uh, his disciples have been arguing about which one of them is the greatest, which one of them deserves the best position in, the, in this whole movement of Jesus. And so Jesus comes along, and he's, as they're talking, he says, hey, what were you guys talking about back there on the road? Just ask the question. You know, you ever talk about someone, and then you think they overheard you when you were talking about them, and you're like, ooh. That's what was happening right there. And so once they're there, in this moment, like, oh, well, you know... He says, if you want to know what greatness is or how to be highest in my kingdom, you're thinking about it all wrong. But first he asks the question to get him to realize how they're thinking about it. He asks uh, a woman that he's talking to, hey, can you go get your husband? And she says, I don't have a husband. And he says, that's right. You've, you've had five husbands. The guy you're with now, you're, you're living with isn't really your, your husband. And all of a sudden, there's no more pretense Right? Things get real. He asks uh, a, a person that is hosting him who was thinking to himself, how can Jesus be some sort of spiritual person? How, well, how can people believe that when he's got this sinful woman with all, to, you know, right next to him, wiping his feet with her hair? If he was a holy man, he would know who she is. And he says, do you see this woman? Simon, do you see this woman? And that question brings up like, he doesn't actually see her. And that sets up Jesus' ability to say, you know what, actually, for the last half hour, she has been loving. 
and you have not. It's how Jesus does things. He asks questions. He gets us to take off our masks. There's an old story about a, a guy that gets hired, a zoo, the gorilla died at a zoo. You know, long time ago, the gorilla died at a zoo. And so they can't afford another gorilla, so they find a guy to pay him to dress up in a gorilla suit. And the guy is kind of uneasy about this, but he needs the money. So he, he gets in there and, you know, just feeling dumb. It's boring the first day. The second day, he's, there's some kids, like, he's not doing anything. And he starts, you know, getting a little more into it. And the kids start cheering. Well, now he realizes, all right, this does this. And so now, each day, he is ramping it up. You know, he is getting really. And he gets on a vine, and he starts swinging. But then he, whoa, he goes over, and he falls into the lion's cage. And he can feel the lion breathing on him. So he starts screaming for help. And then all of a sudden, he hears the lion say, shut up, you idiot, or we'll both get fired. I think you could tell that story without the actions, but I get bored at my own sermons, so I got to do something. Jesus asks questions to get at who we really are, what's going on in the inside, getting rid of the, the masquerades we put up and our defenses. Often the questions put us in touch with things in ourselves that we didn't even know about. So, it seems like an innocent question. Friends! Caught any fish? They say no. These are professional fishermen, at least Peter and two of the brothers. They say no, and it's getting them in touch with failure. Because this is how it all started with them and Jesus. Luke 7, he's out. He's trying to teach at the shoreline. There's a big crowd. There's fisher boats here. Hey, can you guys, can I get in your boat and teach out here in the boat, in your boat from the water? Sure. Does that, finishes up. Hey, let's take it on out to the deep end. Let's, let's try to fish. Master, teacher, sir. We've been fishing all night. We, the professional fishermen, have been fishing all night, and we have caught nothing. It's daytime now. This isn't good fishing time. But because you say so, we'll do it. And they do it. And there's so many fish that the nets start to rip that they need both boats to bring it in. And when Simon, Peter, sees this, he just falls down on his, on his knees and says, Lord, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. You are you're something different. You're holy. You're, I am not worthy to be around you. And Jesus says to Peter, from now on, you're going to fish for people. And Peter leaves everything. He leaves the fishing business. And he follows Jesus around in the adventure of a lifetime. And sees signs and wonders and sees people who've been overlooked or neglected or abused receive freedom and care and life and hope and joy. He sees all these things, and he is in. He is all the way in following Jesus. And so when it gets to the point where Jesus says, it's going to get bad. I'm going to suffer and die. You guys are probably not going to stick with me. And Peter says, if everybody else leaves you, I'm never going to leave you. If I have to die, 
I'm never going to leave you. I have seen it. You are real. God is real. I am all the way in. And Jesus says, actually, you aren't even going to make it through this night without denying me three times. And sure enough, once he gets betrayed, Peter starts, he is, he pulls out his knife, he shut, cuts off an ear. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not how we're doing it. I could call angels if that's how we were doing it. And then Peter bolts. But he still comes close to where the, the court trial is going on and he's around a fire when a little girl asks, aren't you? No, 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 no. Then someone else asks, aren't you? No, 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 no. Aren't you? I swear to God. I don't know the blankety-blank man. That's what he does. And then he sees Jesus walk by shortly after that and remembers that Jesus says, you won't even make it through a night without denying me three times. Have you caught any fish? Why is he even fishing? Well, he knows he blew it in doing the ministry that Jesus called him to. He knew he blew it. He's not worthy anymore. He probably wasn't ever qualified. He knew he wasn't qualified. He probably never should have been doing it in the first place. He's done. He might as well go back to fishing. Now I can't even fish. And then that story brings things back. And then he comes up. And this is only a few days removed from when he's around a fire and had denied him three times. And here's breakfast with a fire with the smell, it's all coming back. Jesus is bringing it all back for Peter. Let's read the second part of the story. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify him. Then he said to him, follow me. So Jesus could have just said, let's talk about what happened. He could have said, like, you know what? I forgive you for what happened. Just let's not, even, don't, let's not even bring it up anymore. And I think Peter would have said, great, but it could have easily just went into his head and not really gotten down here. And so P Jesus does something different. He starts again with the question, a question Peter probably wasn't expecting. Do you love me? Jesus asked, do you love me? Do you love me? And one answer would have just been, 
Okay. And we move on. But he does it a second time. And a third time. And just like Peter denied him three times, now he's able to state his love for him three times. And each time, Jesus is able to say, like, you are restored. You can go into what I've called you to, to bless the people I want you to bless in my name. You can go. Just follow me. Follow me. It's not necessarily going to be doing whatever you want whenever you want. Follow me, though, and you're going to be able to bless people. But he starts with, do you love me? He doesn't even ask him to go bless people in his name until he says, yes, I love you. There's an archbishop who was telling a story of three teenage boys who got an idea one day when the priest was in during the day to take confessions. They start making up like, hey, what, you know what we should do? Let's each go in and let's think of the kind of the craziest things we can and, and confess them. And so they start going over, I'm going to say this, well, I'm going to say that, I'm going to say this, you know, and they're, you know how teenage boys are when they get going with it. Maybe you don't, I do. Here you get going with, oh, they're getting, you know, funny, funny they're laughing, all right, all right, who's going to go first? So one, one guy volunteers to go first and he goes in and he does it. He's able to do it without laughing. He does the whole spiel. And the priest, who's probably onto him, said, okay, for your penance, what I want you to do is go to the front of the church and I want you to look up at Jesus where he's hanging on the cross. Look at him and three times I want you to say, you did all this for me and I don't give a damn. Now that kid was as stunned as you are that I just said that, that the priest said it. But he went up, and he said it once, and he repeated it a second time, and he went to say it the third time, and all that came out was, you did this for me. You did this for me. And he turned around, and he left, and he was changed. And the archbishop who had been telling the story says, the reason I know that this is true is that I was that young man. We can think of penance, if you have any awareness of what that is, as like scales, like, well, you did this many things wrong, so now you have to do this many things to like even it out, to make up for it. But the actual goal isn't we're trying to make up and pay for the things that we've done wrong. He already did that for us. The actual goal is to get us to want him and to think about sin the same way he thinks about it. So this morning, Jesus doesn't just ask Peter that question. Do you love me? He asks you, do you love him? And one of the things I want to do before we leave is I want to give enough space 
that you can give him an honest answer. Do you love him? Or do you not give a rip? Some of you might say, I don't even know God. Like, I'm just here for Easter. Like, well, then the question might be, do you want to know God? But I think many of us, probably most of us in this room, have some sense of God and even Jesus, but we don't think very much, do we love him? I mean, he loves us. He loves you. He loves you. If the answer to that question is yes, then he would say, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Like really actually decide to follow me. And if you do that, I will bless people through you. I will bless people through you. If you will follow me, if you will commit yourself to me, to the other people who are following me, then you will, I will help you bless each other and you will bless a world that needs to know it's loved. You will bless a world in my name. But it all starts with do you love Jesus? I'm going to have the worship team come up. And we're going to linger in that question for a little bit longer. Lord, we can only love you if we know that you love us. Pray that the reality of your love for us would enter into this room this morning, would enter into our minds and our hearts, your love for us. I also pray that you would help us to give an honest answer of where we're at with you. You told Peter to feed your lambs and tend your sheep and feed your sheep. I think you might say it differently to each one of us. That if we love you, then you would have us do this. Not to earn anything, just because we would get to. Just because you would do it with us. Just because you love the world that is hurting So for those of us in this room who are saying, yes, I love you, or I want to love you, I want to figure out how to love you, would you bring to mind what it is you'd be asking us to, what it would be like 
look like to follow you? So it'll be different for each one of us, but you are here alive, able to talk to each one of us. You see each one of us. So as we respond to you, would you respond to us? Would you bring to mind? Would we know what you're saying to us this morning? Love your world through us, Jesus. Let us know your love and then love your world through us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.